You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Make sure you use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. I don't know if you knew this or not, but today is officially Victory Monday. It feels good, man. I, and I got to be honest, today is one of the hardest days, uh, not just because we won, but the immediate post-game podcast. Because almost every single time, I'm so immersed in this game, I, I give credit to the uh, the actual journalists out there and people who um, shockingly seem to take this job more seriously than I do, but uh, have the ability to sit down with a football game, like with a laptop, and take notes and stuff. Like, no, I couldn't even stay in my chair. Like, my my wrist legitimately hurts. I don't know what I did. I, I, I um, there's a lot of things that I don't really control <laughs> when the football game is on. Up to and including anything about myself. But it's always strange to me because I'll watch the game and I know for sure how the game went. And then I just do something like look at the stats and go, wait, what? Aaron Jones had how many yards? He ran it how many times? I swear, I saw him run like four times. Devontae did who? I mean, I saw him. He had some good, good, I mean, it just, I think over time, some of the frustration kind of starts to paint a picture that, that clouds over some of the stuff that happened. You know, when you watch basically three quarters of the offense can't move the ball, and I don't remember Aaron Rodgers completing a pass for three quarters, it starts to darken your image of how things went. And so it's also nice on the Twitter machine, for example, to, well, you know, start off with a couple stats. I looked at PFF had an an immediate refocus before they come out with their grades. It's kind of like, all right, you guys are watching it. Just give me a couple quick observations. Look over that just to kind of either confirm or deny some stuff before I say something that's completely wrong. Same with stats. And then jump on Twitter because people got all kinds of cut-ups and everything already. Again, those people who are just like, yeah, I know it's a game, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna crush some content. They're out there just on their A game. Well I'm out there just hate tweeting. <laughs> Watching the Bears game, trying to work off a migraine. You know, I mean I'm I don't know. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. Working during the Packer game, not really my strength. But um you know, it it is nice because the more I kinda just let the stuff marinate and then actually see the stuff and then th- reflect back on it, the more it just feels like a, a better and better win. Now even just the footnotes that I had post-game without seeing the stats or anything, I feel like the accomplishments that I set out that I had hoped that the Packers would achieve were achieved. By the way, anybody 
who's waiting for me to apologize about Kevin King, I'm not going to, and I'll tell you why after the break, but just get out of my face. I mean, you, you had yesterday, and I, I understand a lot of people want to chirp about it, so I'm, I'm going to pretend to have contrition and let you guys have some fun. That's fine. If you had his back from day one, then you should feel good about that pick. That's awesome. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you throw your pillows at me, I guess, which is about as much contact as a, as a tweet or Facebook comment can do. But I think overall, um, again, kind of going back over thing, things, as imperfect as it was, and as much as as much as I kind of had set some some expectations that didn't get met, that maybe looking back, it's like, eh, not the end of the world. Overall, things I think were very good, not dominant good. And I got to be honest, I looked over at that Patriots game, and although it's the Miami Dolphins, you look at it and go, you know, I just feel like this is still just a battle for second place. And that makes me a little bit sad. Because I can tell you definitively, as good as the Packers were in some phases of that game, 41 to nothing, probably not. Maybe, but I don't think so. But that's all right. Matt LaFleur, Mike Pettin, and the, the Green Bay Packers, very new to all this stuff, still learning. And, of course, the, uh, the New England Patriots pretty much have had this thing figured out, like how to beat every NFL team for the last seven years or so. Like, there's, there's nothing to even discuss anymore. I wonder if we should have term limits for for coaches. That's just crazy. But anyways, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll get into any and all immediate thoughts that may have come upon me post this uh, wonderful, beautiful, delicious victory that has put the Green Bay Packers at 2-0, number one in the NFC North, and one of uh, ten undefeated teams. Or nine. Maybe I think it's nine. We'll be back in a bit. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So first things first, let's just roll through a couple stats just to make sure we're all on the exact same page here. Because maybe, hey, what up, Journey? Don't get that too often. That is my 340 alarm clock. I don't know why we missed the 340 alarm clock or why I have a 340 alarm clock. Maybe you, like me, are kind of feeding off of what you think you saw yesterday, but I promise you, you don't remember correctly. So let's try to get our mind right a little bit. Aaron Rodgers, 22 of 34 for 209 yards, 6.1 average, two touchdowns, zero sacks. Excuse me, zero interceptions. I'm reading ahead of myself. He was sacked twice, had a passer rating of 101.2. Also had a cute quarterback rating of 39.9. Nobody knows what that means and nobody cares. I don't even know if that's a good number. Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, did have more yards, which again is where this is one of those games where the stats are wildly just very much misleading. 
but he was only 14 of 32, which is fantastic. They don't put the percentage, so I'm going to have to do the math myself. 43% is what uh, Kirk Cousins was held to. Here's the other thing. I was talking to a Vikings fan on Twitter that happens to listen. What up, Doe? And the way that he portrayed this to me is that what we saw was basically pretty standard Kirk Cousins. I'm stunned by that. And I'm not going to argue with him because I don't watch him every week. But I was completely kidding when I made the joke that week one, the goal is going to be make Mitch Trubisky throw. Week two, the goal is going to be make Kirk Cousins throw. Because I really didn't want that very much. I, uh, I've i seen him throw some dimes on us. And maybe it's just because people have mentioned how Kirk Cousins has been relatively successful against the Packers. Maybe I'm just used to seeing Pete Kirk Cousins attack the Packers. But um, that was a lot worse than I expected. That was that was almost Trubisky-level bad, which, by the way, if I may segue into my segue into my segue, I don't know if you guys saw that Bears game. Trubisky is just spiraling wildly out of control. He cannot complete a pass to save his life. Granted, yes, he completed that final pass, congratulations, Mitch Trubisky, to a wide, wide... There was nobody literally within 10 yards of him. Standing right in the middle of the field, he was able to complete that pass into his gut. And then time expired, but the refs gave him one more second, and Pinheiro kicked a field goal. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Bears are just straight-up trash on offense. Great defense, though. So he completed 43% of his passes for 230 yards, which, again, is more than Rodgers. And uh, the reason the stats are a little bit skewed is because outside of some really, really big plays, there wasn't much, which is the surprising thing because I kind of didn't expect... The massive plays, I kind of expected, you know, some decent chunk plays, but whatever. One touchdown, two interceptions. He was sacked once, which is a little disappointing, but it is what it is, and I think we're trying to more or less contain the run a little bit more. That's my excuse anyways. He had a passer rating of 52.9, which is terrible. Quarterback rating of 4, which sounds really bad. So in the duel of the quarterbacks, point Aaron Rodgers. Dalvin Cook, um... My assessment of Dalvin Cook essentially is I, I I stand by the fact that I think he's slightly overrated. However, my feeling and and um, excitement toward home run hitter type running backs like Dalvin Cook is that I want one real bad <laughs> because he's so scary every time he touches the ball. It's like I'm I'm clutching my chair because I'm just free, because you can just see the speed and power that he has. And it's crazy because if there's not guys that hit him, if, if he hits a hole and he doesn't go down immediately, which happened almost every time he ran the ball, but, they, I mean, he just he's just ready to take one, and he did take one. 20 carries for 154 yards, 7.7 average, and a touchdown. Now, again, this is where the stats get a little misleading because you look at that and it's like, see, he just carved you up. And Yeah, he, I mean, he had a good outing for sure. But minus that big chunk play... 19 carries for 79 yards and zero touchdowns, which is still 4 point, you know, what, 4.1, 4.2 average, which is solid, but I'm just saying. I, overall, I'm impressed with what the Packers' run defense did, but uh, also Alexander Madison, pretty solid outing for him again. I mean, he, he was kind of similar. He's got a lot of speed to him. Four carries, 25 yards, 6.3 average. I mean, they, they didn't have a huge amount of... Uh, of problems running the ball, which is huge because Kirk Cousins seems to be spiraling downward as well. On the flip side, Aaron Jones had himself 23 carries for 116 yards, which is a 5-yard per carry average, and a touchdown. Difference is his longest was only 15 yards, 
So it was more, somebody had a stat or whatever about uh, efficiency, which Aaron Jones kind of, um, he was much better. In other words, most of his runs were good runs as opposed to Dalvin Cook. So, I mean, it, the bottom line is it's not even a, a comparison. I don't really care. Dalvin Cook is, is going to destroy Aaron Jones as far as home run hitting and all that stuff, assuming the offensive line can continue to block well, which it seems like they're doing a pretty good job run blocking. But the biggest thing for Packer fans is how bad they looked against the Bears. Good defense and all is fine. I get that. But this is a, a, a new run scheme and a, a new um, – the offensive line is not particularly great at, at run blocking, so there's some concern as far as can we get the run game going. This was this was solid. And to run the ball that many times – and I, I'm actually kind of stunned at how low Jamal Williams' stats were because I really like when he has the ball. Now, granted, he's, he's just going to plow ahead for his three or four yards, but I kind of like that. Because when things aren't going well, you know, Aaron Jones is the one who's going to run laterally, basically running what we're trying to run, trying to hit a hole. And if there's nothing there, he's going behind the line. It seems like every time Jamal touches the ball, he's going forward and he's getting positive yards, and I kind of like that. But I am surprised at only 3.1. Seemed like he was consistently getting three or four and then had a couple of chunks in there, but whatever. Either way, we ran the ball 33 times. The Vikings ran the ball 27 times. That's ridiculous. I don't... Man, oh man, 33 times for 144 yards, 4.4 yard average, and a touchdown with 15 yards as the longest. That's that's crazy. It's crazy, and it, it's kind of kind of awesome because you know you, it's the whole. I mean, how many times have we seen against teams like the Vikings or the Bears or whatever, where by the second half the defense starts to fall apart because they've been grinding us with the run game all game long? McCarthy never did that. So I mean, we're going up against defenses that. Of course, they're tired, but it's, it's just a different kind of tired. And so we're, we're kind of giving it back to the Vikings defense a little bit. And it's one of those things that after 33 carries, you know, they're tired. Wide receivers, this is another, well, we'll, we'll, do, the, uh, we'll do the Vikings first. Uh, Thielen was the only real standout wide receiver. I know Stephon Diggs had the big one, obviously. But that was literally his only catch of the day. And I don't know who was matched up on who, and this is, you know, let's assume it was almost entirely uh, Kevin King on Diggs and Jair on Thielen. Then essentially, Stephon Diggs on that one play, that wasn't negative for Kevin King for sure. Um, he got beat pretty badly or whatever, but take that away. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying we should take it away. Obviously, it happened. Credit to Diggs. But if, if Kevin King was on Stephon Diggs all day, which I'm sure he wasn't, but whatever, that's a good day to give up one reception on the day. I mean, the secondary stood out. When you've got a game in which the, the pressure was nowhere near as severe as it was against the Bears game, and Kirk Cousins did have opportunities to throw. He had some pressure, but it was nothing like what Mitch Trubisky was under. And to have just, I mean, essentially five receptions for Thielen, which is a lot, one reception for Chad Beebe, which was another one of those really big gainers, and then one reception for Stephon Diggs, which was a massive play. That's not a bad day. Now, you still got Dalvin Cook at three receptions, Kyle Rudolph had three, Irv Smith had one. But only 14 receptions given up. And again, 230 yards is a lot, but you've got basically um, 110 of 230 yards came on two plays. And man, oh man, that Stephon Diggs pick or play should have been picked. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I mean, at the very least, break it up, right? I mean, he was right there. His hands were right there. I don't know. He mentioned he, he lost it in the sun. Jair should have had two picks in this game. I'm not sure which one he lost in the sun, but... I'm not even mad at him either. Him, him or King. Obviously, King had the pick, so he redeemed himself. But man, was Jair looking good. Holy cow. I mean, even if he gave up all five of those catches to Thielen and he missed both of those picks or whatever, he is he, he is exceeding my expectations. I mean, everybody's talking about he's going to be one of the best and all that stuff, and that's, 
that's cool and that's great and I'm excited, but I'm always very cautiously excited, as you probably have gained or gauged about me, especially about our secondary or really anybody. So Unless you've established yourself, like I know Aaron Rodgers is good, I know Devontae's good, feeling pretty comfortable about Aaron Jones at this point, but Jair second year, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, obviously the rookies, it's just, it's always kind of, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. Although usually, I mean, hardly ever does anybody regress. Usually you take a step. It's just a matter of do you take a step, which like 75, 80%. Because I went back and looked at like PFF scores on the last, how for a long time, looking at like first, second round guys. And then what did they do? Actually, I think it was all seven rounds for the last like five years. Basically, almost everybody takes some kind of a step, which shocked me. But almost everybody takes a step in their second year. But, um... You know, regardless of any of this stuff, I'm just a couple highlights that you see and what I watched from last week's Bear game. He is just unbelievable how fast he is. And one of the things that I mentioned is speed isn't just a matter of straight line speed. It's how quick your mind processes stuff. If you can read something and start that, you know, 4-4 four, four speed or whatever he has in the correct direction, it's, you know... I think mental processing plays into speed a lot more than just straight line speed does, but he has both. And then you add in the agility, and, and, and I showed on one of the videos that I put in the the, uh, the premium uh, Facebook group, the difference between him and Kevin King on basically the exact same route in which, you know, somebody runs a quick little curl, Kevin King kind of has to take a couple steps to, to regain himself, because you're, you're going full speed in one direction, then you have to stop and turn around. Kevin King had to catch his balance and turn around, And then the receiver caught it, and he had to tackle him. Jair stopped and turned directions with the receiver at the exact same time, speed, everything that the receiver did, and was able to break up the ball. I mean, that that missed interception with Stephon Diggs, he's on the opposite side of the field. He read the play, sprinted to the other end of the field, and should have, could have, would have had a pick. I mean, he's, he's popping off at the mouth in the locker room about how good he is, how great he and King are, and all that stuff, and he's got every right to do so. Man, is he good. Crazy good. Again, even including all the receptions and, and the, you know, coulda, woulda, shouldas and everything else, holy cow. I mean, if he even gets a pass break up there, this is just a wildly different game. If he gets one or two of those picks, if he just cleans it up a little bit on top of his elite level play that he put on the field, this game is just, it's not even close. And I think, uh, I think... Uh, Jair even said that. He said it would have been like 30 to, to whatever. But you take away seven points from the Vikings, they've got nine. And that's that's what would have happened had he got a pick on that play. And then, you know, give the Packers a little bit more points if he gets that other pick. I mean, it's just... And he, he the thing is, he was in position to make both of those plays. It just didn't quite materialize. So, man. And I, this is not me complaining, even slightly. Just blown away. And I haven't seen everything. I'm, I'm almost scared to go back and look at it. But what what did I say? I mentioned that this this is going to have to be a step it up game for the for the corners because as much as the guys up front are going to have to still bring that pressure and I thought they did a decent job at least forcing them to scramble I mean he wasn't contained quite as well but he had to at least get out of his spot you know take a step up or get out of the pocket or whatever but this was a game where you're going up against Adam Thielen you're going up against uh, Stephon Diggs you know Dalvin Cook and Kyle Rudolph these guys are not necessarily elite receiving weapons but they are weapons that you have to account for or they can hurt you Chad Beebe's becoming something the bottom line is what i said is that the secondary is going to need to to prove itself in this game and they absolutely did and um the the speed is evident that Kevin King interception 
Um, essentially, he was he was beat again, and it was it wasn't a great throw, but it would that was all makeup speed, right? He's behind him. He just turned on the jets because he is a burner, and beyond that, he's super long, and that's what those long arms will do, right? He's he's really long. He's really fast, and to say it was actually it was a, just a ridiculous leap because he looked like he jumped way too early, and he almost did like a Michael Jordan where it's like he elongated himself in the second half of his jump to make it look like he's actually gliding through the air like he's defying gravity he's not actually going down he's staying up but um yeah i mean he he just made that look easy and and one of the things that i've mentioned before and i i said this it was about demarius um that i really really liked his confidence because i feel like that's a confidence position and you need to have that swagger and as much as i'm a little bit more obviously could you could probably gather a little bit more of a pretend you've been there kind of guy i want corners that pop off at the mouth i just do because not only do you need to be to be confident, but you got to be violent. And when we're talking about the defense as a unit, I want a defense that has that kind of swagger. Because that's 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 how this group that's how you operate as a group. That's how the team starts to develop this mentality of you don't want to mess with us. And it's good to have an individual that does it, but an individual can't shut down an entire team. When the whole team starts developing the swagger. And, and I, I mentioned last year, Jair's going to be that guy. Jair's a guy that gets people fired up, and Jair's doing it again this year. Jair's popping off at the mouth. He's talking about how great he is, but he's not just bragging about himself. He's doing it in a team kind of manner. He's talking about me and Kevin King are shutting everybody down. We're putting the league on notice. Right? He's bragging everybody up. He's getting everybody fired up. You go on Twitter, and you're seeing everybody just like bragging up the rest of the defense. It's also funny when you see guys on the defense bragging up J.K. Scott. <laughs> No, but it's just, it's, it's, I don't know, it's exciting to see. Everything that you want to see is what you're seeing. It, it's just sort of, it's that group mentality. It's the swarm and punish. And again, you know, they, they blew a couple plays. I don't know exactly how it happened. Props to Stephon Diggs getting behind Kevin King because that's the one thing I said you're never going to do to Kevin King. He did it. And I've never seen that before. You guys act like I never say anything good about Kevin King. That's not true. I have bragged up Kevin King. Also, by the way, let me give you my Kevin King spiel real quick. I've never been wrong about Kevin King. What is up? We got two journeys today? Am I, I'm hitting snooze. That's why I got a 340 alarm. I'm swiping the wrong direction. I mentioned Kevin King wasn't great because Kevin King wasn't great. I also mentioned that I hope he can step it up this year, but I'm skeptical. He seems to be stepping it up this year. That's awesome, and I'm excited. I never said he was bad when he was good, and I never said he wasn't going to be good. So take all your nonsense and get up out of my face. Now, for those of you that have had confidence in him this whole time, huge ups to you. Props. Some people think everybody's great all the time because they're just fans and that's what they do. Some people are a little more hesitant like myself. I bragged up Demarius. I bragged up uh, Quentin Rollins. Quentin Rollins was my guy, man. He had a great rookie year. It was like he's going to have such an awesome year. You know, Demarius, he had that injury. Right, because I played that game too. Like, oh, you Kevin King's good. He had an injury. Yeah, I know. I played that game with with Demarius Randall. Right, he had a groin injury, and you, when you got to, you can't flip your hips. And oh man, he's gonna be so good. He <laughs> wasn't good, and he had a big mouth. And the people in the locker room didn't like him. So I'm cautious, and I'm still cautious after two weeks. But but so far, super excited because it's kind of at all levels. The one thing I was concerned about in this game was Blake Martinez, which I mean, we'll get to it, but. After watching him against the Bears, I was worried about his ability against Dalvin Cook because, you know, being able to go the right direction at the right time at the right speed is, is kind of crucial to being able to stop the run, especially the outside zone. That's what the Falcons couldn't do, 
And with Dalvin kind of having a good game, I was thinking that that maybe he didn't do quite as good of a job. However, PFF basically raved about what what kind of a job he did. We'll get to that, but that was that was exciting. Anyways, great outing from the corners. Let's continue on looking at the wide receivers, though. We'll kind of go in reverse order. Jake Kumaro, one reception for 12 yards. It was kind of nice seeing Kumaro out there. Jamal Williams had three receptions for 13. I don't remember any of this. This must have been in the first series. Jamal Williams, three receptions, 13 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, I remember that. Marquez, three catches. I don't remember that. Uh, 19 yards. I remember the one catch where he got carried out of bounds about five yards. But um, not, a, not a standard Marquez outing. When you got 6.3-yard average, that's not typical Quez stuff. Geronimo, four receptions for 25 yards. I w- One of the things... You know, I, I still am skeptical of the wide receivers and their ability to, to help Devontae. Um, but these guys are not going to give up any passes. The hands of these guys, I love it. Right? Maybe my separation isn't great, but you throw it to me, man, I'm going to get that ball. We saw it with Geronimo Allison and that catch in the end zone that was incredible. I think the Marquez catch when he got carried out of bounds was a great catch. These guys are catching footballs. They're not going to let Rodgers down, at least in that facet. Aaron Jones, four receptions, 34 yards, pretty fantastic, 8.5 average. And, of course, Devontae, and I didn't realize this either, as I mentioned, how good of a game he had until after the game and everyone's bragging him up. But seven receptions, 106 yards, 15.1 average. Just, um, I mean, he's he's a number one wide receiver. There's no question. As I mentioned, number one wide receiver doesn't mean the best receiver on your team. It's a guy that, that the defenses have to, you know, you got to scheme for. you got to bring extra coverage over that way. And um, they had Xavier Rhodes matched up on him all day, and Devontae just ate his lunch, man. It wasn't even close. And uh, when he was able to beat him and also get away from that second coverage that's there, that's how you get seven receptions for 106 yards. Still need to get somebody else going on, on the team because when you got that much extra coverage going one direction, that really should free up a lot of other people, a lot of other options and opportunities. But it's a step in the right direction, right? I wanted to see growth from the offense. I didn't... It, I didn't, and we shouldn't expect perfection from this offense. A big step up from week one to week two is a good thing, especially when you get the win, and it ended up being enough. It's discouraging to see three quarters of not great offense. I mean, it's not exactly three quarters. We had seven of our points in the second quarter, but for the most part. And let's also not forget that this is a a good defense. Unfortunately, though, we, we can't really make that excuse too much because we're going up against a lot of really good defenses this year. So saying it as though, like, well, that was one of the better defenses, you know, or whatever, like, it's going to get better. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos, good defense. Philadelphia Eagles, good defense. Dallas Cowboys, good defense. Detroit, somewhat stingy. Um, Panthers, we get a little bit of a reprieve, although the Kansas City Chiefs defensive reprieve is far from a reprieve, but I don't know about Raiders, Chiefs, and Chargers. Panthers, pretty good defense, although I don't know what that team is anymore. 49ers have some scary pieces. And then we got Bears, Vikings, Lions all over again. So, I mean, it's, it's more than half of our schedule is, is scary defenses. But the important part here is that we can beat them, and we're beating them with a really good defense and an offense that is improving so far every week, which small sample size, but a clear improvement, right, just to see him come out. And, and here's the other thing. I had mentioned what does the offense look like. I'm not asking for elite production from guys that I shouldn't expect it from. But what happens if Aaron Rodgers just kind of gets back to looking like Aaron Rodgers? What happens if Devontae Adams looks like Devontae Adams? What happens if Aaron Jones looks like Aaron Jones? Well, we just saw it this week. we got to get better at, at doing certain things. And I think the biggest thing that made me nervous 
is essentially what we saw was an adjustment from the Vikings. Right, the Packers came out with a plan, they executed it, it was awesome. Zimmer adjusted, took it away, and that was it. Essentially, we just rode it out, hoping that the Vikings couldn't catch up. And Mike Pettin was able to keep the Vikings down, but when, when Mike Zimmer adjusted, Matt LaFleur wasn't able to readjust and make it work. They just basically shut down the offense entirely for the rest of the game. That's one thing that we need Matt LaFleur to be better at. He's a you know, new, t- new head coach, and he's got a lot to learn, and Mike Zimmer is not the easiest person to play against, but you got to be able to adjust. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, even though it didn't reflect itself in the stats, toward the end of the game, the Packers' offense did get moving again a little bit just to eat up some clock. It did start to look a little bit better, but that's something to keep an eye on going forward. And, and the other thing is, too, you know, teams are watching what these defenses are doing. If they're able to just replicate what the Vikings did in the second half and say, okay, you weren't able to adjust out of it for Mike Zimmer, we're going to run that kind of offense, too. Let's see if you figured out how to beat it. I don't know what that is, but, you know, again, they, they, they've laid it out. This is how you stop that. This is what they did that worked. This is how you stop it. So right out of the gate, Vic Fangio is looking at that. On top of knowing what he knows about the Packers, he's going to draw up a phenomenal game plan. Packers got to have a plan to come out and, and, and strike. Uh, looking at some of the defensive player stats, Blake Martinez was a tackling machine as per usual. 13 tackles, which is more than anybody else. The next highest was Daniil Hunter at 9. Sacks, Linval Joseph and Daniil Hunter had sacks for the Minnesota Vikings. For the Packers, only one sack. It was Kenny Clark. He got a lot of praise from PFF. One of the things to really monitor here that that is super awesome, and again, it goes back to our corners, and I need to check the stats from last year. There were not very many pass deflections from the Packers last year. There were a lot last week. I forget the number, but it was massive. There were six pass deflections in this game. Now, the Vikings had four, you know, which is a decent amount, but just, I mean, we, we not only beat the Vikings in that stat, just the fact that we're getting to six is super awesome. But Darnell had one. Dean Lowry had one. Jair had two. Preston Smith had one. Kevin King had one. Six pass deflections. That's phenomenal. On top of that, six quarterback hits. You had Zadarius, uh, Preston, two from Kenny Clark, and two from Kyler Fackrell. So really, again, just at all levels, right? Blake Martinez with a ton of tackles. You got a bunch of quarterback hits, a bunch of pass deflections, um, one sack, all that happening up front, and then all those pass deflections and interceptions on the back end, which we didn't get to that. But the Vikings with zero interceptions, which, I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? That's how they won last week. They had a bunch of takeaways. Now, they did have two fumbles, right? The Geronimo Allison and Aaron Rodgers takeaways, um, which is big. But that's what Matt LaFleur has been talking about, right? Winning the takeaway. And I, I mentioned that all last year, Um Every time before a game, and I'm, I'm not going to do it until we get a little bit more data and information and stats, right? That's more of a middle-of-the-year kind of a thing. It's hard to glean, tell what you can see from, from one or two weeks. But I, I wanted to see why certain teams win and why certain teams lose. Points sometimes correlate, sometimes don't. But the biggest one was, was definitely takeaways. There was almost always a correlation with takeaways. Like a certain number, like if they get to two, they're going to win. If they get to three, they're going to win. If, if you give away two or three, you're going to lose. Um, and that, that seems to be holding true. The Packers are winning that, and that was an emphasis this year. The Packers recovered two fumbles from the Minnesota Vikings, and they had two interceptions. There was a Kirk Cousins fumble that was recovered and a Stephon Diggs fumble that was recovered. And by the way, and this is another thing I don't remember, five forced fumbles. I shouldn't say forced. There were five fumbles in this game. We got two of them, and then Preston Smith and Kevin King with interceptions, and that Preston Smith interception was because of a Darnell Savage pass breakup. 
Uh, J.K. Scott stats real quick. Eight punts, average 47.6 yards. His longest was 59. I don't know what hang time is. They don't have that, but I will get that to you when PFF gets their stats up. Some other um, more in-depth stats. Packers had more passing first downs, 12 to 6. Rushing touchdowns, Vikings had uh, 8. We had 7, so pretty close. Third down efficiency wasn't super great for either team. The Vikings were 4 of 13. The Packers were 5 of 15. Again, the Vikings beat us on a per-yard basis, but again, that has a lot to do with the the really giant chunk plays. And that's something else that's really, really impressive about this team is, and again, you can't take it away because the Vikings earned those plays, but really, again, it, it, it really puts, it makes this game look closer than it was, and it was very close. But in terms of just being dominant, the defense was dominant play after play after play after play, and then you get that one big play. And I was saying on Twitter throughout the game, you know, the, the, the Packers at one point, or the, the Vikings at one point, I think had three total plays that were that were good plays that resulted in three scores, which is really all they got, right? One of the touchdowns was on a giant chunk play after basically doing nothing to Stephon Diggs. One of them was the giant Dalvin Cook run after doing nothing. And then there was the uh, Chad Beebe big play that resulted in the field goal. All three of their points came from giant plays. What do they do outside of those giant plays? Nothing. Now, again, they earned it, and we we blew it, but the fact that essentially outside of three big plays, they did zero, they did nothing the entire game is impressive. How is that different than what the Packers did? Because the Packers had to work their way down the field. It wasn't just one giant play. It was positive play, first down, first down, positive play, positive play. Work your way slowly and methodically with a series of offense beating their defense type plays. Not we're losing, we're losing, we're losing, hey, 70-yard touchdown. Penalties also were wildly in our favor, which is uh, good as far as uh, discipline goes. If you watch that Broncos-Bears game, oh my goodness. But uh, Vikings 8 for 100 yards, Packers 6 for 35 yards. Something else, by the way, to get super excited about, all the players were very complimentary of the the um, the home field advantage, the noise that was being made in the stadium. So it's a really encouraging thing that that got turned around. Hopefully we can continue that, and it's not just this... Uh, one-time deal that this becomes a, a culture change and the people who are really shocked and appalled at all the standing and screaming, hopefully they just, you know, I don't know, maybe hang it, hang it up. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too loud and raucous. All right. See ya, I guess. But anyways, them's the stats. Um, we'll take one more quick break and then I'll give a couple more thoughts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we'll start with some bad news before we move on. Um, injuries. We're actually, if you look around the league, man, we are still extremely fortunate. Not that I'm excited about injuries to anybody, but um, I mean, Drew Brees is is injured. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Joe Staley for the 49ers is going to be out for a while. The Chargers, who have been decimated with injuries and lost Derwin James, the guy that went in to replace him, he's out. I don't know how long it could be for the season. So, you know, just trying to keep things in perspective, I, I think through two weeks the Packers have done really well. However, we have two safeties that are injured. Uh, Raven Green, it seems to be relatively serious. And Darnell Savage left the game in a walking boot. Now, 
the report is he got kicked in the shin. I don't know why you need a walking boot for that, but um, maybe it's just precautionary because it's kind of down at his ankle area and they're just, you know, being caught. I don't know. I just got done watching the replay of it. It does kind of look like he just got kicked. I didn't see any twisting or, or anything like that. So um, hopefully he's going to be okay. Uh, if he is, the only other safety we've got on the team right now is Will Redmond. And uh, to be honest, I, I don't know what exactly this means. It may just mean that we see a lot more, uh, you know, linebacker. We might see some more B.J. Goodson because a lot of what Raven Green is doing is being that other linebacker. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a Redmond thing. I don't know if it's going to be B.J. Goodson or Ty Summers. Maybe he's going to get a little bit more opportunities. Um, and, of course, everybody's curious what this means about Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, I don't know, but I, I will say this. If, if if they're pursuing him, I think the the interest in him just went up a little bit. You know, I mean, if, if you're kind of negotiating and you're at the table and it's you and X amount of teams and you're offering this and you're like, I don't think we're going to budge off this. If we don't get him, we don't get him. Maybe, especially after you win the game, right? Especially after you see that this defense is clicking and the offense is starting to pick up. As a GM, you're looking at it and going, do I want to go all in now? Or should we kind of just pump the brakes, you know, push as hard as we can and try to come back next year, get some offensive pieces? Because really, that, that, that's going to be important. The, off, the, 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 the picks next year, especially first round, which I, I just don't want to go that route. But you think about the elite talent, the amount of elite wide receivers that are there, the offensive linemen, which I think is going to be important because I'm still not super impressed, especially with the interior. I think Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, and Billy Turner – Kind of got mugged a little bit. Yes, good defense, whatever, just saying. From what I saw, I don't know. Maybe the tackles did too. Maybe the interior did fine except for those couple plays I saw. But I just really think this offense is going to need help. And having, um, you know, even late first and late second round picks can, can do a lot to help. But, you know, again, if they're, if they're willing to take a second, and we're talking back of the second, not that, that anybody knows that, but if we do make it kind of far, especially with Minka on the team, that's probably all they're going to get is is toward the back. I mean, if we get into the playoffs, you're what is it like 22 or 23 is the lowest or the worst you you would end up. You know, it, it, I think it changes the equation a little bit, but I, I don't really know the level of interest. For all I know, the Packers backed out a long time ago. On the other hand, maybe they're they're really at the table. It sounds like this might get done pretty quick, and the interest is really ramping up. And it's it's really just a matter of the Dolphins trying to get as much as they possibly can out of this. Now Miami got absolutely annihilated, so I can't assume he had that good of a day. I know he got shredded against uh, Baltimore. I mean, he personally got shredded against Baltimore. Now, I don't know how much these couple games are going to make a difference, but there's also a question of, you know, I don't know. I, I, I get if you if you see the talent, you're saying he's just in a bad situation, then there's probably nothing he can do that's going to take you off of him. But I, I also kind of wonder if you're watching him. He's had a couple bad weeks and he's trying to leave his team. How many? How much is going to be like? You know, I don't know. But um, I, it's one of those things I just want to get a resolution to. I'd like somebody to get him that isn't in the NFC North unless it's the Packers. And again, if we get him, I'm going to be excited. If we don't and he goes to the Bears, Lions, or Vikings, I'm going to be really upset. If he doesn't and he goes somewhere that I don't care about, then great. A little worried he goes to Dallas because that's a very good team. It's a uh, lot of competition or a, a good competitor in the NFC, and we play Dallas. So there, I don't know. I think best case scenario is he just stays in Miami, but that doesn't seem to be the way it's going to go. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I, you know, it's it's not going to be one of those things where it's like, well, now we have to have him. No, I don't think so. It it definitely stinks. Raven Green has been a pretty solid player, but um, you know, next man up. And and you know, I well, I don't know. I guess I just won't go there. Let's just say it could have been a lot worse, right? We've got a, some some other key players that um, that are healthy. 
as far as I know. Who knows? Maybe maybe Bakhtiari's back got all messed up. I don't know. Uh, I want to go through some of these PFF notes. Tomorrow, hopefully, we should have the grades, so we'll be able to get a little bit more specific. That'll be really exciting to see. Um, and then I will start also tomorrow watching some of the film to kind of confirm or deny some of the stuff that I thought and just get a more bigger, fuller picture as the week goes on. That's kind of the goal of this. But the number one person that, well, let me let me say who stood out to me before we do this. Um, I mentioned uh, Jair. I mentioned King. The other person that stood out to me was Dean Lowry. Um, he, I, I saw him in the backfield a lot more than I've seen in, in recent memory. He was just very disruptive. Uh, PFF didn't mention him, but I'm going to before we get there. Um, Savage, for me, was kind of iffy. He kind of, he, he was actually very similar to King because, you know, King gave up that play and then he redeemed himself. Well, Savage missed the tackle on Dalvin Cook, as did a lot of other people. But then he kind of redeemed himself with that pass breakup that ended up getting picked. Which really, you know, as pivotal as those things are, that, that may have made the difference in the game, to be completely honest. But um, anyways, PFF wanted to highlight, number one, Kenny Clark. Said he was easily the most impressive defender on the field. I know he did have one of the strip sacks. I was actually expecting a little bit more, but I'm, I'm extremely excited to see that because that was a matchup that I said, you know, Kenny needed to dominate, and apparently he did. Um, I mean, I, I knew he was he was solid, and I saw him consistently, but I, I don't know. I guess I just had higher expectations of impact as far as sacks and hits and everything else. But I'm also, again, during the game, I'm just watching the ball. And when a body comes flying in, I don't probably exactly know who it was. But uh, that'll be one of the things that I'm really excited to go back and watch. But uh, they, they went on to say he seemed to be living in the Vikings' backfield. He picked up a sack and multiple hits in hurry. So that'll be fun to check out those stats because he didn't have a lot of them against the Bears. Uh, they also added he was equally impressive in the run game with multiple disruptive plays and solo stops. I mean, he's just against the run for sure. He's He's 100%. Um, one of the guys I said I was worried about but uh, PFF seemed to be excited about was Blake Martinez. said he was all over the field for the Packers' defense. said he led in tackles as well as defensive stops. said he also looked really good in coverage, which is good to hear. And said he actually locked down the middle of the field and was targeted just one time all game. So that was impressive because, again, that was he was – I don't even think I mentioned him. He was kind of one of the keys in my mind. Um, not so much in coverage, but I guess that makes sense. But against the run especially, so – I mean, I know he had the stats, but that doesn't always mean you had a really good game. Um, be excited to see not only his grade by PFF, but to go back and watch and see what he did because, you know, some of those runs, I don't know, kind of made me nervous. But it's really good to hear about Blake because, to be completely honest, I wasn't really all that impressed in week one. Again, I don't, I don't remember what I mentioned what I don't or how many of these are just in those videos I created. But going back and watching him, it was kind of like, eh, you know, I, I like Blake, but... Um, you know, the more I watch him, it's kind of like when the contract comes due, are the Packers going to pay him? It's kind of an iffy thing for me. I mean, we, we don't have a contingency plan, so just by default, he's getting the contract. But would the Packers like to draft somebody in his place? It wouldn't super shock me. But again, at this point, there's literally nobody else at linebacker. So, And you know how I feel about Oren. Oren's going to be the next Kevin King. Everybody loves Oren. I'm saying I'm not so sure. He hasn't done anything yet. And then everyone says, well, he's been injured. And I say, yeah, well, that doesn't make you good. It just makes you injured. And then he has a really good season and everyone makes fun of me and screams at me and says I'm a dummy. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He hasn't been good at anything. Uh, the third guy they highlighted was Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Said he didn't have a bunch of overly impressive throws but was clutch, which is worth something. Uh, picked up consistently picked up uh, huge first downs with really good throws and that was that was the biggest thing for me is it's scary to watch Aaron Rodgers just play 
you know, it's not just so much he's not throwing the ball because that could be the receiver's fault, but so many bad balls. Like, where was that going? These were some really not not perfect on every single account. Some of them were a little bit behind or whatever, but some of these throws were just unbelievable. So as far as him having a bounce back, there's no question. That was just a phenomenal outing. That's the kind of outing you expect from Aaron Rodgers to make those kind of impossible throws. That's good to see. Uh, they said he didn't have any throws in danger of being picked off, which is incredible, especially when you consider how many of these highly contested throws there were. I mean, you look at the the uh, Geronimo Allison throw. I mean, there's a defender right on him, but he still didn't register any um, passes likely to be picked or what, whatever that stat is that they have. That's, that's awesome. Um, one of the guys they highlighted as being bad, which is not good to see because he didn't have a great outing week one. I thought he was going to have a really good outing this time because I, I don't, you know, he wasn't matched up against Daniil Hunter. He was matched up against the other guy, but David Bakhtiari. Uh, they said they, they found a weakness. They consistently used the bull rush and drove him straight back into Rodgers over and over again. Said Bakhtiari gave up a lot of hurries in this game. Pretty much all of them came with a straight bull rush. And they said he wasn't much better as a run blocker, which he's never really been good at that. So that's surprising. I mean, it, you know, if it's as easy as just bull rushing the guy, you think they would have figured that out about Bakhtiari a long time ago. So I don't know what exactly is up with him. Maybe it's the back thing. I don't know. Maybe his back is just really bugging him. Maybe a bull rush is something that, is something you do when somebody has a back injury and Zimmer's just like hey man look he's got a back injury just bull rush him because you know he can't stop you when his back hurts I don't know I don't know how that works and then they had a segment called rookie takeaways and basically said Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage had forgettable performances in week two neither rookie had a huge impact on the game I'll contest that a little bit as far as Savage with that breakup that ended up getting picked but outside of that, I personally can't point to anything, but it will be exciting to see some of the stats and just, just to see how much Rashawn played. I, I saw him on a couple plays. Um, there was one time I thought he was kind of getting after it, but I think it was Smith. The only reason I thought it was Rashawn is because I saw Smith goes out with a, I don't know, you thought he got hurt or something, I don't know. But he came right back in, so whatever. Now now is going to be the time when everybody that doesn't like Rashawn Gary pops back up. See, I told you. Where's your boy Rashawn now? Um... Interesting notes. Apparently there was a miscommunication. This one actually kind of throws me a little bit. I was stunned that they didn't kick that field goal on first on fourth down. It turns out, essentially what happened was Aaron Rodgers thought it was a first down, tried to hurry up to the line to call a play and, and you know, whatever, catch him off guard. And, of course, it was fourth down and we didn't convert. A couple things confused me on that. Matt LaFleur mentioned that you know, he was asked, did you know right away? And he kind of didn't say yes, but it sounds like yes. He kind of knew because they didn't move the sticks. But it, I, it's just, it's it's weird to me. Because apparently, first of all, as far as how much leeway does Aaron Rodgers has, he has enough leeway to basically just say, I'm going to call a play and run it real quick without even hearing my coach's voice. So that's interesting. It also seems like Matt LaFleur is a little slow off the, off the ball there because it, I don't remember that being like super hurry up to the line. I mean, there were there were there there was some time there. So I don't know if they're just like standing on the sideline, like thinking it over. He's reading his play sheet. He's talking to the offensive coordinator, trying to figure out what to do, or he's talking. I mean, he wouldn't be talking to him, right? He's he's planning on kicking a field goal, and you would think if he's going to rush out, if he's telling the field goal unit get on the field. I don't know. It's just very weird. Again, maybe my memory's foggy, and it, he did run a play super super quick. I I just I don't remember any of that. But um, wasn't happy. But I guess I'm kind of glad to hear that that wasn't a something that they decided to do because I thought that was a terrible decision, and that, especially in that game, just take the points, and obviously that would have been the right call. We ended up winning anyway, so it doesn't matter, but, um, you know, an extra three points to give us a little bit more cushion would have been nice. 
essentially, you know, had the Vikings scored a touchdown, obviously they would have been ahead of us. Had we kicked the field goal, they would have needed a two-point conversion just to um, just to tie us, as opposed to you know basically being ahead of us with a touchdown. So that's why those things matter. But again, I'm not necessarily coming down on anyone, other than the communication thing is just kind of weird, and the whole Aaron Rodgers just deciding I'm going to take over this first down and do whatever I want. That's surprising. I don't know. Something about that just doesn't feel right. I don't know. It'll be interesting to go back and try to watch that and see what was going on. Other than that, we have a full week to get super excited about um, uh, Florio talking about how Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are fighting already and that things are, are falling apart. The wheels are coming off. We're, you know, the, there was this big facade about how they're best friends, and look, here they go already. I predicted it. I called it. And uh, he'll get a bunch of mileage out of that, and Packer fans will get mad, and it'll be a whole thing. And then we'll beat the Broncos, and he can go, you know, <laughs> you know. He can go do that. Anyways, I think that's it as far as observation. Rodgers looked good. Aaron Jones looked good. Devontae looked good. Offensive line didn't do super great. Hoping that gets better. Uh, other wide receivers were there in clutch situations, but you kind of hope a little bit more, whatever. Uh, tight ends seem to be non-existent, which what that was another weird thing. I, I feel like the, the whole scheme was wildly different. I'm not going to say there wasn't any scheme because there was some kind of different things, but I don't think I saw the, the tight end shift formation or, or run to the other side of the field after the snap. I need to figure out what that's called, by the way, so I can just stop saying it in that way. I don't remember seeing that once in the game, and I was saying last week that's like their new staple. That's that's just basically just the same as snapping the ball. I didn't see them do it once. But anyways, didn't see much from the tight ends. Defensive line looked good. Blake apparently was good. Corners looked great. Safeties seemed decent. It's a good day, man. Victory Monday, Packers 2-0. We'll have some more information tomorrow, so make sure you check that out. Otherwise, have yourselves a fantastic Monday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com